The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Hello, my name is Joni Siegel, and this is The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. Today's episode is episode number 331. Just a reminder to please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, and also please subscribe to our YouTube channel. In both areas, if you could give us a good rating, that would be much appreciated because then when people are looking for help with addiction or messages of hope, they'll find us. And that's what we would like them to find. Today, we have an interview with a lady named Valerie Silviera. Valerie is the creator of an organization called Six Weapons of Hope, her exclusive arsenal of resources to build courage and beyond. She's an inspirational an engaging speaker, and an award-winning author of multiple books, workbooks, and journals. Valerie has a special heart for other moms with sons and daughters in addiction, and those who have lost children, having walked those devastating paths herself. She also believes we have similar feelings, no matter which of life's beasts have come calling. So your story doesn't have to be anything like hers for you to become a warrior in hope. Let's find out more about Valerie, what she's doing, and what led her down this path. Valerie, is it Silvera? Silvera. Silvera. Valerie Silvera, thank you so much for being willing to talk to us today and telling your story and also your daughter's story. I definitely appreciate you being willing to talk to us. Thank you. I'm so honored to be a part of your podcast. Oh, you're very kind. Valerie, tell us just a little bit about your background and and then what led up to what happened with Jamie. Jamie, but tell us more about your background, what her life was like when she was a child and like that. Well, I was a single mom uh, when my kids were one and three because I did that smart thing and got married when I was 20, you know, when you know exactly what you're going to do with your life. And you you can understand a lot of people can, but truthfully though, my, I had a good life with my kids. I was not one of those single moms that was sad about it. I enjoyed all of those years. I worked very hard to provide for my kids and to make sure they went to Montessori school and, you know, lived in good neighborhoods and uh, were safe and my home was happy and, and all of that. So I feel like Jamie and her younger brother, Sean, who's two years younger, had a good life, good family, extended family. And then I remarried when Jamie was 12 and Sean was 10. And I'm from Washington State. And so I lived in I lived in Bellevue, Washington with my husband, Rich, and my kids. And, you know, life promised to be amazing. And then this is really kind of weird, Joni, because Jamie actually met this world that she found herself in through a youth group. She was in an outreach program. She was supposed to be on this side of it. She was working with the church group in an outreach program, and she sort of became one of them, as as we like to say, one of them. Wow. She became somehow just fascinated with this world, and this outreach was in an inner city uh, in Tacoma, which is south of Seattle, and she became fascinated, I guess. I don't know why, but she became fascinated with that world. And um, we just didn't know how to stop the train. And this happened when she was about 15. Understood. So she, 
So they were dealing with kids who were taking drugs and she decided to try that. Well, Jamie was so smart. I mean, you know, every kid is brilliant in my opinion, Mm -hmm. Um, but she really was gifted. I mean, everything came quick to her. used to frustrate the heck out of her brother because sports and school, everything just came very quickly to her. She was very quick witted and smart. And it was easy for her to keep from us the whole story. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of know something's going on, but we can't find evidence of it. But I was pretty sure this guy that she had become fascinated with and fallen in love with, I was pretty sure he was in a gang or, or something like that. You know, I, I we did live so far away from that. But, you know, you have that feeling. And, of course, she's trying to tell me I'm crazy and I overthink everything and, and all of this. Well, when she was 18, he shot her. Oh, my God. And, yeah, it was... It was a near fatal. It was very, very serious. She was very lucky to survive it. Uh, She had 50 staples holding her gut back together from her breastbone to her pubic bone. And they literally flayed my daughter open like a fish to save her life. And so what's interesting is that I didn't know, of course, I wasn't 100% sure that she was in addiction, but let's make it 99.9%. You know, and we had had a lot of things go on. You know, she wore an ankle bracelet for this thing and that, but there was just, it wasn't so full blown that it was just, we know what the problem is. Mm -hmm. She was so good at keeping it from us. And so that she's 18 at this point. So there I am sitting, you know, in this emergency hospital with my daughter on a ventilator going, waiting for her to wake up, you know, and going, how can this be my life? But what, what happened to this amazing life? And what have I done wrong? Mm. You know, this is now become all about me. And I don't mean that in a selfish way, but no, this is I what understand. happens to parents, Joni. Yep. It's guilt. You can't stop you just, it. it. Yeah. No, I totally understand it. And so you go through the list a thousand times. You know, it was that one thing I said. It was that one thing I did. It's because... I was a single mom. It's because I married rich. It's because we moved here. You know, the whole, if, and if I could just pinpoint the thing, you know, if I can find that thing and then somehow I can kind of apologize for it or, or, or whatever. And so anyway, I thought there we were laying in the hospital one night. We're in this hospital where her name is not even on the registry because he's a gang member. And, you know, and for the first few days they hadn't found him yet. And so everything I thought, you know, was true, was true. So, you know, one night we're laying in the hospital and she'd become very distant at this point. And she said something to me that she'd never said before or since she said, mommy, will you pray with me? I thought, oh, this is the moment, right? Mm -hmm. This is it. You know, she's coming back and everything's going to go back to. So when you're listening to this on a podcast and you can't see me, you can picture my air quotes, everything's going back to normal. Right. Yeah. And so she tells me everything that happened at the shooting and all, you know, everything. She just opened up to me. Well, this is what I like to say. I was going to have to put on my seatbelt and buckle down my shoulder harness on my ride on the roller coaster from hell because it was about to get a lot worse. Mm. And so over the next decade, I won't even get into the Jerry Springer episode because nobody needs all of those types of details. But suffice to say that the more Jamie's life spun out of control, the more mine spiraled into darkness because of what we said earlier. I couldn't stop it. What, What kind of a mother am I that I can't fix this for my child? 
And I you see can't. you just shaking your head like you've heard the song. Well, I just know you can't. You can't be with her 24 7. You can teach her as best as you can. You can, you know, instill whatever values and morals you have. And then she's on her own. And it only takes a few bad decisions to end up. Yeah. You know what? So you're so right. We are all, every one of us, one decision away from altering the course of our lives in a, in a negative direction, right? All it would take is one decision from each of us today. Uh, and, and then, you know, addiction, I didn't understand it because I just, you know, I'm a pretty smart person, but I had not experienced it that I knew of. And back in my high school days and that, you know, we partied and had a good old time, but I was the kind that went, okay, I don't want to do that anymore. I won't do that anymore. So I didn't understand. I literally thought, well, it's just a matter of having a strong will. I was reading The Strong-Willed Child when Jamie was one. No one has a stronger will than her. So I thought, you know, if I could just, you know, I remember I told you that that one thing. Oh, what I was going to say earlier is that because I thought she almost died, someone tried to murder her. So that should be enough, right? That's the thing that should get her on her path. Right. What I've discovered is that when people get clean, it's not always an event, a catastrophic situation. Sometimes it's just a moment. I mean, and and then I had to finally realize, literally one day I said to myself, Valerie, if you could save Jamie, if you had the ability to save her, wouldn't you have done it a long time ago? Yep. I mean, I would have done it if I had, if I could. It's not that I didn't pray hard enough. It's not that I didn't figure out the thing. I've never had control of this situation in the first place, like you said. Mm -hmm. And we lose control of our kids a lot earlier than people want to admit. Yep. Sometimes. The hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 866-989-4499 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. Yep. So, you know, you call this the point of no return. And I was thinking about it when I was going through your paperwork. And when you're interviewing people who are living with the addiction beast, as I like to call it, you say, you know, you ask them, what, what was your point of no return? Well, I can tell you that as a mom, I had a, that point too. I had my rock bottom. I had my low point. So I'm standing in my kitchen one day and I've been riding the roller coaster from hell for 13 years, feeling so distraught and so confused. How can the smartest person I know be so stupid? How can this be happening? Not Jamie. She'd be the last one. So I'm in my kitchen one day and, and something just blurted out of me. And it, it's something I thought so many times, but was so scared to say it. And I said it to my husband. I said, I don't want to be here anymore. It's mm -hmm. too hard. And there it was. I mean, I can still see the look on his face, but there it was right out there in, in the oven. I couldn't put it back in. Yep. And as badly as I felt about that, Joni, it was, it was my moment. 
Because when I heard those words come out of my mouth, you know, into my ears, into my heart, into my brain, I thought, nope, this is not my legacy. This is not how my story is going to end. This Sean is not going to lose his mom. He's losing his first best friend, his only sibling. He's not going to lose his mom. The other thing is the pressure I was putting on Jamie to get clean, the pressure of my happiness on her shoulders, the guilt tripping, you know, all the stuff that I did to her wasn't helping her. And so literally that was my moment where I said, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm going to stand up and fight for my life. Mm. Wow. That's, that's huge. And yet I think that so many parents out there need to hear you say that they need to hear it. It's thank you. You're well, the yeah. thing is, I think what happens is, is that when we have these little babies or we adopt them, however we have our children, we think not only is it our responsibility, but we do think, like I said, that we have this power, this ability. And so I feel like we've, we're all given a super mom cape when we have kids, you know, and, and you expect to use it for the bumps and bruises of life, but never do you imagine having that thing strapped around your neck so tightly that it practically strangles you. Mm-hmm. You know, dropping my daughter off in the belly of the beast while she's de- uh, detoxing off of heroin. And by the way, saying the word heroin, the H word, and Jamie in the same sentence, the first time took my breath away, literally. Yeah. It, it's it's impossible that that this could be my life. It's impossible it could be hers. The shame that we feel as parents... And, and, you know, here's the thing. I don't have to wonder what people were thinking about me. Maybe some people still do, and I don't care anymore. But because I was one of them, I was the person who voiced that if something goes wrong with your kids, if your kids get on drugs, if they end up in jail, it's your fault. You're a bad parent. I said it with my own word, my own lips. So when I fell off my soapbox and got a hematoma <laughs> you know, from, from that one, um, so I know, knew what people were thinking about me. I knew, but you have to get to a point where you don't care. Where The only way that we remove stigma is we refuse it. Mm-hmm. We refuse it. Now, I hold Jamie responsible for anything she did in her addiction. You know, I've always told my kids, listen, you do something wrong. You, you break the law. I'm driving you to jail. I'll be balling all the way there, but you're going. So I believe in responsibility, but... Jamie was never a bad person, a wonderful person with a really bad problem. Yep. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out, if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name, or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com. Or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com, or call us at 727-314-7080. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. Yep. And so I think for for families, for especially moms, we tie our value, our sense of worth to how well our children are doing. Let's face it. We do it. Yep. And 
So then we wonder, you know, we go through the whole list, like I said earlier, and we go, what did I do wrong? How can I fix this? What can I do? And, and one time Jamie said something so powerful to me. She said, mom, this is not about you. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, she said, I know it's affecting you. She said, but you're, you're a great mom. This is not about you. Mm. And so for me to have to just lay my daughter down. And so what I did is I, I just literally gave her to God. And I said, every morning I, I prayed for a miracle because I knew this is what it was going to take for Jamie. Mm -hmm. It was going to take a miracle. She wasn't fighting very hard. She almost seemed to enjoy her addiction life. And so I just would pray for a miracle every day. And then I got on with the business of living. And, you know, I wrote my first book and I decided to, because I was getting better, I wanted to help literally at least one other person <laughs> find their way there. And um, it's a good thing. I don't want to be any kind of doom and gloom because people, you are the first person to say people recover all the time. People go on to live wonderful lives after, you know, dealing with this addiction beast. Yep. But life is tough. Yep. And Nobody knows what's around the next corner in any phase of our lives. So I just think that building courage is so incredibly important. And for me, it's a darn good thing I did because about two years later, I got the knock on the door that every parent dreads. Mm. And so it was 12 days and 12, 12 years and 12 days after the first time Jamie was shot. And, and it's still weird for me to say Jamie was shot. Now I've got to say it twice. Um, so my knock in the door wasn't about an overdose, which you think every parent expects, but I'm here to tell you that when you get the knock on the door, nobody can prepare for that. Mm -mm. But my daughter didn't overdose. She was murdered. And this, you know, so this time she was shot multiple times. It was fatal. And now here we are, you know, this is our life now is it's been six and a half years. We just had a preliminary hearing after six and a half years it took. Took two and a half to get him arrested, and and on we go toward a murder trial. And so the, the the point is though is that I have learned that you can live with joy and a hole in your heart at the same time. Something I never ever would have imagined. I first of all, I'm sorry for your loss, oh, Joni. Thank you so much. I'm a mom. Sorry. No, but I think there's a couple things I think. One is that I don't think whether you ascribe to the viewpoint, if you will, that addiction is a disease or not, it is something that takes a hold of a person physically, mentally, and spiritually. Absolutely. And you know, I'm preaching to the choir that it is not something that your child or your loved one can just stop on their own. Now I say that, and then I know people who have, but they are really few and far between. And that's one thing I wanted to say. But the other thing is the fact that you can live through, you Valerie can live through something like this and have such a positive outlook going forward. L listeners and viewers, you need to hear this. You need to learn from this. And on the very good side, Valerie has the thing to help you with this. <laughs> Segwaying over into what you're doing now. Yes, because yes, yes. So 
I have what I call the nine weapons of hope. And, you know, I do some coaching through my digital programs that I've created. We have an event. We used to call our event still standing live. And, um, but then, you know, COVID hit and everything's changed and I moved to Phoenix. So now we're doing these events in Phoenix and we're doing our first one in October. It's called Warriors and Hope, the freedom experience. So the whole idea of the freedom experience is that we need to be free. So while Jamie's living with her addiction beast, guess what, Joni? I'm living with my own. And so I kept thinking if she would just take down that beast, if she would just take down that addiction beast, then my life would be great. See, it was all about the pressure was all on her until I realized I was living with a codependent enabler beast. And and there were a few more heads to this thing too, right? We all have our stuff from childhood decisions, things that happen to us. I call them life's two by fours, the things that whack us upside the head, um, like, you know, Jamie's murder. And so we, we get to decide though. We get to decide what we're going to do. Are we going to keep letting that beast? I literally pictured this thing. It had me down on the, on the ground with its claws around my throat saying, you're a bad mom. You don't deserve to be happy. You should have saved your daughter. You know, all the lies, all the garbage. And I had to decide that I was going to reclaim my life. And I'm going to tell you something that we often think that people in addiction are just sitting around in a corner with a needle in their arm 24 hours a day. My daughter had a life, as evidenced by many people who contacted me after she died, what a great friend she was. And, you know, they're living their life. And even some of the things that we taught them, as you said earlier, you know, we only can do so much. They take with them. They even take with them into their addiction world. And, And I saw that. And one of the very last things that Jamie said to me, I didn't see her for a year and a half before her death. Wow. And that could have killed me. Um, but it wasn't because I was mad at her or anything like that. It was because I had told, I told her, this is what my life looks like. And it doesn't look like illegal drugs and it doesn't look like lying and not showing up. And, you know, I just painted the picture of what my life looked like. And I, I want you in it more than anything, but it's only fair that you know what it, what it, what it is like she didn't already know. And, um, she had enough respect for me that she just kind of kept, kept away from me. And and she just went off and did her thing. And one of the very last things was an email. It was a few weeks before. And this is a really sweet message to me, but I believe it's bigger than that. It's a message I'm supposed to carry. She said, mommy, she died at 30. She always called me mommy. She said, mommy, I'm so proud of you. And this is the message, Joni. She was never proud of me when I guilt tripped her. She was never proud of me when I was mad at her. She was never proud of me when I was crying in my walk-in closet, when I was self-destructing. She was never proud of me. She was proud of me when I stood up to fight and reclaimed my life and went out and started to help other people. Wow. She was proud of me. Wow. And so we have to remember that we influence people around us and even our sons and daughters in addiction. And that wasn't my intention. I'm going to go do this. And then Jamie will see. I had no idea, but people are watching us and we have to be, you know, pieces of us are being deposited in the world right now. This legacy thing doesn't happen after you die. It's happening. Game on sister, right? It's happening right now. Yep. And so we have to be so careful that the pieces that we're depositing in people are the right ones because we will live on in the world forever 
because somebody, Jamie touched somebody out there and my son has touched people and on and on it goes. As a matter of fact, my son is speaking solo for the first time at our event in October. Now tell me again the date and where and all It's October 6th and 7th. It's in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. It's actually Phoenix. Um, But on my website, ValerieSilvera.com, you can find that. And um, we're, it's, it's two days. Okay. And I was just going to say, Silvera is S-I-L-V-E-I-R-A. V-E-I-R-A. So ValerieSilvera.com. Yes. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. And so I just, I'm, I'm on a mission now because you know what you, you said, you know, how I'm so brave to go through that. And here's the thing, Joni, everybody's so, so much more courageous than they ever imagine, but we'll never find out if we don't stand up. What, what is the alternative? Because I prayed for a miracle for years. I prayed for a miracle every morning. Really? Okay. Right. You and me, God. We got this thing down, right? I prayed for a miracle and I'm even believing it. And then I got the knock on the door. And you know what it felt like to me in that moment? It felt like the middle finger from heaven. Mm. That's how I felt. I don't think it was, but that's how I felt. And I I let him know pretty loudly, right? What we could have done and what she could have done and all of this. All I know is, Joni, if I could do it all over again, all of it, the whole 30 years, with half of it being a disaster, I would do it in a heartbeat for the absolute opportunity and blessing that I got to be Jamie's mom. Mm. And so for everybody who's in addiction, such a hard road, like you said, such a hard road for every one of those people. And there are millions for every one of those people there are moms and dads and sisters and brothers and friends and aunts and uncles and cousins, and the list goes on. So the fallout is, I don't know what, I don't know if we can do a mathematical formula, but can you imagine what it would be yeah. times yeah. X? So I think that, of course, the addiction problem at so many different various levels is needs to be addressed and needs to be our priority in this country but let's not forget about the families because we might be smiling on the outside, but most of them are dying on the inside, especially moms. Yep. And they don't all want to admit it and they don't all want to tell their stories. And that's why when someone such as yourself is willing to get out there, do what you're doing with nine weapons of hope and your event in October, that you're willing to get out there and do that. You inspire other moms and dads and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and grandparents to do the same thing. And that's what it's going to take. Yes. Well, you know, I just decided this week, we haven't even got anything out. I've never told, I haven't told a single person (laughs) until you, I'm going to do something bold and say that I want to help a million women disrupt their trauma and replace it with courage and hope. Wow. We need this kind of a movement where we all link arms. Um, I've heard stories, women who are going through incredibly difficult times, raising grandchildren, losing children to in this addiction world, and they're standing up and they're finding joy and they're learning how to live with a hole in their heart or, you know, their hearts shattered into a million pieces. They're learning that it's possible to, to have that, to honor that and to still find joy and happiness and hope. 
And I just want to spread the hope. You're amazing. You are spreading the hope. And thank you for being willing to spread it on our podcast. I oh, cannot it's, it's thank you. It's my honor, Joni. Oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm in awe of, of you and what you've gone through. I don't have children in addiction, but I have such empathy for individuals such as yourself. And I appreciate you so much. And thank you so much for everything that you're doing. You may not know the lives that you influence and change. We don't get calls every week from this podcast, but I know that people listen and I know that they're going to listen to your story. And I know you're changing lives when you, when you tell it. Isn't that what it's all about? Shouldn't we all be out there trying to help at least one other person? Imagine what the world would be like. Yep. Thank you, Valerie. Thank you so much for talking to us today. You bet. Thanks again, Joni. I hope you enjoyed the interview today. We'll be back again next week with another interview. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, reach out to us on Facebook or go to www.theaddictionpodcast.com. Our email is theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com. <laughs>